When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. This is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks if I can take a look at the relationship between a father and a daughter in which the father is narcissistic, so paternal narcissism. This is a somewhat common situation that counselors see in their clinical work. So I'll answer this question by looking at the seven signs of a narcissistic father. So again, here I'm specifically looking at the father-daughter relationship, but some of these signs could apply in other parent-child combinations. So I'll take a quick look here at narcissism. Mostly I'm talking about grandiose narcissism in the situation. We see that narcissism is characterized by a sense of entitlement, requiring admiration, being self-centered. And when we take a look specifically at the grandiose side, we see someone who's extremely confident, dominant in social situations, arrogant, condescending, resistant to criticism, and extroverted. The other type of narcissism is vulnerable. Again, I'm not covering that here, but we would see characteristics there like being resentful and having a lot of shame. So what we see from the research literature in terms of narcissism and being a father is that higher levels of narcissism in fathers are associated with the tendency to poorly fulfill parental functions. Narcissistic fathers typically aren't considered good fathers in the way most people would define the word good. But when a daughter is raised by a narcissistic father, she may not believe that during that time period. So she may believe her father is good in the way most people would think of the word good. So whenever we talk about narcissism, particularly in the context of a parent-child relationship, we see a lot of psychoanalytic research, right? This is a fairly common topic for psychoanalysts or people subscribing to the psychodynamic school of thought in terms of counseling. These are related schools of thought. Psychodynamic thought could be considered a modern version of psychoanalytic thought. And when we think of psychoanalytic thought, and specifically the father-daughter relationship, we see this term Electra complex. So I think this is pretty interesting because it gets wrapped up in the narcissism issue, but it's not really about narcissism. So the Electra complex is when a daughter develops a specific affection for the father with a correspondingly jealous attitude toward the mother. And sometimes we hear this in more of a colloquial term called daddy issues which of course doesn't have any single agreed-upon meaning. So the Electra complex is 
wrongly attributed to Freud much of the time. Sigmund Freud believed that both genders were based in masculinity. So he really didn't see men and women as separate in the same way as we now think about it, even with psychodynamic thought. So for him, there was no feminine version of an Oedipus complex, which of course is what the Electra complex is suggesting. It's the other side of the Oedipus complex. So Freud really didn't believe in the Electra complex. Who coined the term? It was actually Carl Jung. He's the one who created this idea about the Electra complex. Although interestingly, later on when he developed his theory of archetypes and the anima and the animus, he really didn't talk about the Electra complex anymore. So Jung created the Electra complex. Freud never believed in it. And later on, it appears that Jung started to lose belief in it as well. So regardless of the origins of the term, the Electra complex does not require that somebody has a narcissistic father, just a father of any type. So this term gets kind of tied into narcissism, but I really don't think it's really related to narcissism. In terms of the signs of a narcissistic father, it's important to keep in mind here the role of the daughter that's in the mind of the narcissistic father, the attitude toward the daughter, the parenting style specifically to that daughter. So were there other siblings? Is the daughter we're referencing the favorite daughter? Is she the favorite child in general? All these questions are pretty important in terms of how we look at the narcissistic father. We see a wide range of behaviors here from over-involved to completely distant. So we would say narcissistic possessiveness all the way to narcissistic indifference. I'm really here focusing these signs on the former, the possessiveness, this over-involvement we see with the narcissistic father. So now getting to the signs, we see here number one is that the narcissistic father sees the daughter as an extension of himself. His affection for the daughter is there because she is a part of him and because she admires him. This admiration reinforces the father's behavior and his attitudes. In his mind, he must be doing something right to have such an admiration from the daughter. That's really the logic of the narcissist. So what happens here with sign number one is that the identities of the father and the daughter become merged because of the father's behavior. Sign number two is that the narcissistic father tries to control and shape the daughter into the perfect child. The father controls her money, her clothes, her possessions, her friends, including boyfriends, her access to a vehicle and transportation in general, her time with grandparents and other relatives. So really, it's the prevention of the development of a separate identity, which of course is necessary in order for the identities to be merged, like I talked about in sign number one. Now, interestingly, the daughter can interpret this manipulation as the father being protective. He really, truly cares about her. He cares so much that he's willing to expend all this energy and control her life. So there can be a sense of pride and satisfaction in having a father who is so attentive. When the daughter of a narcissistic father is asked what she wants out of life, what her goals are, often her response indicates what the father wants or what he wanted and she struggles to find goals that are truly hers. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. 
It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Sign number three is that the daughter's emotional needs are not attended to. The daughter isn't allowed to have an independent personality or to express her feelings. The narcissistic father does not focus on emotional needs, but that doesn't mean there's a lack of focus altogether. There is usually a profound focus on other areas of development, like artistic, intellectual, and athletic abilities. The narcissistic father lives vicariously through the daughter. The daughter's success proves that the father has value. The father needs the daughter to succeed. When the daughter fails, the father's embarrassed. He's disappointed and ashamed. And these feelings drive the father to revenge. He takes revenge out on the daughter, usually in the form of humiliation. He wants to make the daughter suffer as he suffered with that failure. Sign number four is that the narcissistic father will be perceived by others as being extremely caring, somebody willing to sacrifice for his daughter, do anything for his family. Other people may even wish they had a father like the narcissistic father, which can affect the daughter in really two main ways. It can reinforce that her father is really doing a good job, that he's great, or it can be disgusting to her that other people don't see the true nature of her father. When she tries to criticize people for liking her father, they often turn against her, call her ungrateful. And this leaves the daughter with a sense of isolation, this feeling that nobody really understands her. The daughter learns not to criticize her father, and this attitude really stays with her throughout her life, potentially. And it can be evident in her relationships with other men. This lack of assertiveness, this reluctance to find fault, can all be because of the narcissistic father and that dysfunctional relationship. Sign number five is a distorted view of value. So the narcissistic father does not really respect the daughter for who she is, but rather he tries to create his own version of the daughter that he can then respect. This is idealization. The father does not truly see the daughter's value. He sees only what he wants to see. He exaggerates certain skills, characteristics, abilities, and ignores others, often others that would have been important to the daughter. So ultimately, he discourages the daughter from her interest that could have been beneficial to her. So it's really consistent with this idea. When you seek to make something perfect, you often end up destroying it. For example, if the daughter was interested in playing a musical instrument, perhaps she had a talent for it. The narcissistic father may dismiss that. He might say, you'll never be famous, respected, or loved for playing an instrument. 
And of course that's not necessarily true, but that's really what the narcissistic father is saying, because he has another agenda. He might tell the daughter to focus her time on getting into a prestigious college so she can study business or technology or medicine. And these could be whatever the father's goals were in the past, right? Perhaps the father attempted to get into a prestigious college and he failed to do that. So in essence, the father's daughter is his redemption, his opportunity to make things right, a second chance to wash away the shame of failure. Sign number six is what I call adored today and forgotten tomorrow. So there will be important, emotionally significant moments where the father is there. Graduations, birthday parties, other social gatherings, where the father is attentive because other people are watching. He creates good memories for the daughter, times when she felt loved and appreciated. Typically, there will be a lot of photographs or maybe even video recordings of these events. The narcissistic father can manipulate and use his superficial charm to really make these times special. For example, there may be a school play where the daughter has a key role. The dad comes early to get a good seat in the front row. He takes a lot of pictures. He looks enthusiastic when his daughter is performing, but bored and indifferent when other children are performing. Afterward, he tells his daughter that she was the best, and any difficulties she had in the performance were really the fault of other people. So again, the narcissistic father can be really important in terms of forming these memories. He can be essentially good at forming these memories. And the daughter will have to rely on these memories during times when the father is distant. And she'll really use these to justify her affection toward the father. Sign number seven is blaming the mother for the perceived flaws of the father. So we hear things from the daughter like, the mother really didn't appreciate the father for who he was. The mother didn't understand how great the father was. The father could have reached his full potential if he wasn't weighed down by the mother. The mother wasn't emotionally attentive to the father, didn't let him be himself, didn't let him have his own identity, which of course these seem ironic given the nature of the narcissistic father and his behavior toward the daughter. Perhaps in the case of a divorce, the daughter says something like, the mother drove the father away. Now, all this is understandable, all these different thoughts of the daughter because the narcissistic father complains to the daughter about the mother, maybe even going so far as telling the daughter she shouldn't be like the mother. So he's more or less pushing the daughter to take sides. The daughter may view her mother as a competitor, and this kind of ties back to that Electra complex a little bit. This idea that the daughter is competing with the mother for the affection and approval of the father. So those are the seven signs of a narcissistic father. Again, focus more on the possessiveness and over-involvement, and not so much on the distance and coldness that we could also see really prominently in these types of relationships. So if a daughter had a narcissistic father, what should she do if there are problems that stem from that? Well, I would say seek counseling. A counselor may focus on helping the daughter to form her own identity, determine her own goals and values, which could lay the foundation for other therapeutic progress. But again, each counselor is going to approach a situation like this differently. In the psychodynamic school of thought, there may be a lot of focus on that relationship. In another school of thought, like cognitive behavior therapy, the focus may be more on the immediate automatic thoughts and then working to change intermediate and core beliefs. But either way, a counselor can help the daughter in the situation to process her feelings, kind of look at her thoughts and behaviors, and maybe make the changes 
that she wants to make. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover and how to be brave.